Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Inspire Before We Expire show. I am your host, Terrell Sumter. Guys, I'm very grateful, thankful, and graceful to be here yet another day. That's never a promise. Oh, man, before we start today's interview, you all, I just want you all to take some time to really just close your eyes. I want you to breathe in, breathe out, and just reflect on the good times. Just reflect where you found yourself at most at peace, maybe around loved ones, maybe around a friend, and maybe just being by yourself. And now I just want you to open. Now, guys, I get messages all the time saying that I feel alone. You're never alone. There's always somebody with you on this journey to help guide you every step of the way. I don't want to take too much of your time, but I'm so much excited about today's interview. I mean, it's just a hardworking individual. Um, and, and he has a, he, he comes from very humble beginnings. He's originally from Chicago, Illinois, a world-renowned orthopedic surgeon entering the motivational speaking industry. And always looking to enter other industries. He's the creator of Fab, MVMNT, enriching lives and inspiring the world to be fabulous, motivated, victorious, magnificent, noble, and tenacious. With a following of 84,000, his goal is to reach 7.2 billion people of the world. He has been selected by San Diego's magazine as one of San Diego's top doctors for four years in a row, has multiple peer-reviewed orthopedic publications along with writing multiple book chapters of, of books. Guys, this man is also a robotic surgeon, surgery pioneer, car racer, uh, man, just listen, you name it. <laughs> Guys, I'm here today to introduce you to my dear friend coming from San Diego, California at his work office as we speak, Mr. Dr. David Fabby. David, Thank you, man. Thank you for coming to the show today. No problem. No problem. I mean, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for this lovely opportunity. And I just want to take a moment to sincerely apologize. I was running late on this. I was uh, stuck in surgery. Took a little longer than I expected, but you've been so gracious to uh, continue to roll with this. You know, I love that we had a, a few moments to talk about your story uh, a little bit. Very inspiring, man. I love what you do. I love what the name of your podcast, Inspire to Expire. Um, so yeah, man, just truly grateful. Yeah, I can tell already. I can feel, you know, your good energy, man. So uh, I love how you started that off with a little meditation, and uh, just you know being grateful for this day, you know, because hey, you know, all we got is this day, right? Absolutely, absolutely, man. Anytime, man. I understand that patience is a virtue. Things come up. What matters is you here now. So glad to have you, man. I've been excited for this interview since we first spoke. So. Yeah. Let's kick it off, man. So let's do it. When did let's the journey first start for you? Uh, so, you know, the journey, shoot, straight out of the womb, man. No, I'm joking. You know, it depends on, uh, you know, what journey, um, you know, that, that um, we're talking about. Um, I'll tell you, on the medical journey, started really early. You know, my mom was a, a physician, and she came and migrated from the Philippines, which you know, that's that courage, you know, imagine going to another country and trying to make a living, you know, that's, that's something that I saw that I respected, you know, because, um, 
yeah, I mean, that's something that I didn't want to disrespect you know, with my trajectory. Um, but that being said, in Filipino culture, I've said it a lot, you know, being a doctor is the pinnacle, you know, uh, you can be the president of any country, but that's not good enough. So she always pushed me in that direction. And, you know, I had, you know, I had dreams along the way, being a professional skateboarder, going to the NBA, because I grew up with uh, MJ and uh, Michael Jordan. So, um, but of course, Filipinos, we're not blessed with the height. Um, <laughs> we can dance, though. Uh, um, so, uh, but obviously that didn't pan out. And as I went through, I realized that's where my strength lies. I uh, remember at a young age, like how, um, I know it's cliche, but how compassionate um, I was, you know. So, um, as I kind of went through it, you know, that's where, uh, you know, I wanted to seek some type of professional route. Um, I knew I, a lawyer wasn't in my DNA. Um, being on Wall Street wasn't in my DNA. So everything kind of aligned. And of course, along the way, I questioned it because a lot of challenges. I'm like, am I doing this for myself? Am I doing this for my mom? Am I doing this for other things like status, whatnot? But, you know, luckily, through a lot of self-growth, a lot of self-reflection, self-investment, you know, I realized, you know, this is a, you know, I'm a spiritual person. This is where God uh, has uh, has uh, chosen me to be. So, yeah. But now, in, in terms of the motivational game, you know, I'll tell you, like, I got into social media, uh, started going, like, full tell about two years ago. But as I posted more and more and, um, you know, started doing a lot of reading, Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone, Gary Vee, I realized I had this passion to help inspire people. So I'd say that journey started about two years ago, and I'm, I'm just rolling with it. So, and it's nice hooking up with people like you because you inspire me. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, just multiplicative. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. So you grew up with – you grew up with MJ, huh? Oh, yeah. I was, yeah. Uh, I'm was. i 42, uh, so uh, the Bulls dynasty was uh, from junior high all the way to early college for me. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was my idol growing up. I just appreciated his, uh, his championship mentality. Um, not the nicest guy, you know, uh, and that's something that, may, that I disagree with. But, you know, at the end of the day, he, he was a winner. And he put in the hard work, you know, it's not – not he was blessed with talent uh but yeah talent only takes you so far yeah yeah indeed what exactly man the seeing your mom in the healthcare space what exactly intrigued you most about saying that this is also what i want to do as i get older yeah um you know i i like the challenge um i like the fact that it's it's an honest living because you're contributing you know you're helping people and i think as human beings, we're meant, we're put on this earth to help each other out. Um, kind of like what you said with your intro, you know, we're not alone. You know, um, a lot of people I know maybe don't have connections with their family. They feel alone, but there's a lot of other people out there that, that can help you out, whether it's friends, uh, coworkers, uh, et cetera. Um, and I know, and if, if you really dive deep, uh, when you help another person, uh, that's when I'm at my happiest. And then, you know, I'll tell you, there was a lot of fields also in, in medicine that I didn't really find interest in. But then I saw my first hip replacement, and it was love at first sight. I knew I was home. So, uh, you know, since then, that's what I do. That's what I specialize in, hip replacements, knee replacements. So, you know, that, that passion, that fire was within, within me. So I just had to roll with it. How long did that process take, man? I know you, you've been in it for quite some years or so like yeah. that. 
So uh, just tell us about the process, man. We'd love to hear about sure. that, just of how you guys started in the medical space. Yeah. And, so, um, yeah. So, um, you know, uh, went to college, University of Michigan. Okay. Go Blue. Um, and then went the pre-medical route. And, uh, you know, what I realized, it's like a sport, right? <clears throat> like in high school, fortunately, I put in the hard work. I did really well. And then when I got to college, you know, I didn't realize how competitive it was, you know, because it's like, it's like, you know, you're a sport. You can be a high school All-American, but then you go to Division One sport, and everybody's pretty much a high school All-American. So you got to level up, you know. So I came in maybe a little cocky, a little overconfident, and really didn't up my study skills. And my first exam, I, you know, almost failed, and I wasn't used to that. And that really knocked me down, you know, question, I'm like, can I do this? I don't know if I can do this. I got to pick another career. But then, uh, you know, luckily, uh, quitting hasn't been in my DNA. So I really just, just doubled down the next exam, put in the hard work and uh, I nailed it. And that kind of built my confidence. So I knew I had to level up, you know, if, if I wanted some playing time, I had to level up my hard work. And then, um, so it was four years of undergrad four years of medical school, five years of orthopedic residency training, and they did another year especially training, particularly in hip and knee replacement. So after college, it was 10 years. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. That's some time, man. Yeah, I mean, and it was tough because I would see it. Go ahead. You yeah. No, no, yeah. Go, go ahead. <laughs> During that time and moment, man, was it, what was something that was really, really, you, you know, you felt that was really young? Um, kind of challenging for you that you felt that you wouldn't be able to get through yeah you know because like I was in my 20s you know and uh I would see a lot of my friends uh making a living kind of be in the quote-unquote real world um where I was like stuck in medical school still studying uh, you know they were having a, a social life you know my weekends were spent studying of course I'd have every, uh, weekends every now and then uh to kind of um you know uh to go out and have a good time, but you know, not to the level as my friends. And like, it was just a long road. I'm like, you know, first year medical school, I'm like, this is only year one of a 10 year journey, you know? So it was a, it was a struggle, you know? And then I'd be clocking 12, 14 hours in the library. And I'm like, you know, this is not, <laughs> this is not entirely fun, you know? But um, again, I, I just knew, uh, you know, the hard work that, this is setting me up for the rest of my life. So I'm not going to sacrifice this short term for the long term. And then each year that got, that went by, you know, got better and better. Residency was tough because we were working a lot of hours, you know, um, sometimes 36 hours uh, in a row. Um, but, you know, that's uh, reflecting back, you know, like that's kind of made me battle tested and know that I was able to get through that. And, um, you know, it's kind of, kind of toughened me up mentally, uh, emotionally. So yeah. start a living. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What exactly about the medicine space keeps you going, man? Like what a, you know, what is something that really, cause it seems like you're truly passionate, man, even from our first conversation yeah. off air, like what exactly you can maybe share with some people out there, our younger listeners, maybe younger men who are looking yeah. to get into the similar space. Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of levels to that. You know, I'll tell you, um, my patients, you know, they uh, they brighten me up. You know, the connection that I have with them. Um, 
to see their families happy after they have a good result, whether it's non-operative treatment or operative treatment. Um, I also like how our industry, hip and knee replacements, continues to advance. You know, um, it doesn't stay status quo a lot. You know, there's a lot of research and development that goes into really progressing the field forward. And uh, I love that. You know, there's a lot of engineering aspects that's incorporated into hip and knee replacements uh, now. You know, tech, technology is a huge part of that. Uh, you know, you mentioned robotics. Uh, artificial intelligence will make its way where artificial intelligence can help doctors diagnose diseases. They can help us in the operating room. Uh, voice recognition, augmented reality, virtual reality. So kind of like I'm a science fiction buff. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's like it's almost like science fiction. Yeah, yeah, man, that's so it's so interesting because you know we always learning something new or something like that. Yeah. So, when was it that you said that, man? Listen, I'm going to get into the orthopedic space. Like, what yeah. event occurred that pushed yeah. you to to being able yeah. to now be one of the most influential people in that space? Well, um, you know, I was a, um, I guess I was kind of an athlete growing up. I played football. And uh, I had dislocating shoulders, like, like really bad. So I got introduced to an orthopedic surgeon that way. And, and I saw that doctor was very happy uh, with, their, with their job. And I thought it, it was also a different language than what I was used to in medicine. You know, I thought medicine uh, up until that point uh, was all about, you know, numbers, diabetes, hypertension. But here was a completely different language. Uh, you know, it's a lot of hardware, you know, which uh, I like tools. So I thought that was cool. And then uh, going into medical school, I wanted to keep an open mind. I didn't want to pigeonhole myself to anything. A lot of my buddies uh, were already uh, hell-bent orthopedics uh, from day one in medical school. Um, and then during my third year clinicals, you know, when I saw that first hip replacement, I was done. You know, that, that was it. You know, no more looking around. And uh, it was just one of those things where you just feel it you know you feel it your soul you feel it your heart and I'm like I love this you know so uh, I'm not going to disrespect I'm not I'm not going to let that passion uh not be uh not be pursued so uh and luckily you know I chose the chose the right field tell us about that moment as you just said yeah. that yeah that third what you were just sharing just now just yeah. tell us about yeah. that moment and what was really going through Dr. David you know mind yeah. that that time and just just tell us a, it just seems interesting to me no, I mean, I, I, re I remember it vividly, you know, uh, we were, it, we were in OR1 at University of Illinois, Chicago. It was with my attending Dr. Mark Gonzalez and, uh, you know, there was uh, this senior resident, Dr. George Bronabaki, who was very instrumental for, uh, for, for my career path. And then um, I just walked in there, I saw all these shiny tools these hammers, these saws, the mechanical aspect of it. And I'm like, this is so dope. This is so dope, you know? So it was just put a huge smile on my face and it still does. And uh, I was like, gosh, I, I didn't know that surgery incorporated such stuff. You know, uh, we see a lot of surgery like on TV, you know, usually it's just, just knives and instruments and that's all well and good. But then when I saw, you know, this toolbox that was there, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, this is it. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. man. I love that. Now, I was reading up on something, man, and you made an interesting quote. You said that purpose is that power that will propel you to get out of bed each morning and push you to make dreams come true. Yeah. 
that. Please share that with us, man. Please share exactly like when did that come come for you at the time? Like why yeah. did that exactly happen? And yeah. You know, I'll tell you, um, much like yourself, it all circles back to, to self-investment, you know, because I listen to a ton of audiobooks, and there's a consistent theme that's there. It's like finding your purpose, right? Um, yeah, there's, I think there's now 7.5 billion people in the world. And I think, you know, we're all unique individuals and we're all have a unique gift that we can provide to this world. But a lot of times that, that can get drowned out by the stresses of life, because uh, life is not easy a lot, it can be difficult, a lot of anxiety involved, a lot of depression, where it kind of like makes you not pursue your purpose, um, because pursuing your purpose can be uncomfortable. Uh, it's challenging, it's difficult. Um, but, you know, as I get older and older, you know, I realize that like, hey, you know, like, I'm only here maybe call midlife crisis, whatever. Uh, I'm only here for uh, a limited amount of time, you know, so each second, you know, I just want to grind. I want to hustle. Um, I want to contribute to this world. You know, uh, I say, you know, I want to leave a legacy such that uh, in that I help others leave a legacy, you know, and I think that's, that's just living, man. You know, for a while, I kind of was kind of, to be honest, I was dragging through life. You know, I was really just just overwhelmed by stress and anxiety. Um, but I wasn't doing anything about it, really, you know. Uh, but luckily, you know, you just got to, you know, you got to work on yourself. You know, Warren Buffett says that the best investment that you can make is in yourself. You know, it's that it's immune to inflation. And, it, and it's so true because once you do that, the whole world opens up and the world, you know, um, becomes more magical and beautiful. Um, and even in the bad moments, you find out um, what you're made of and you find out there's a lot of lessons in that. So um, I want to be able to, I've said this a few times, I want my gravestone to say, you know, here's, here's, a, here's a man, here's a human being that gave life and gave everyone his, his all. You know, so that's what drives me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. When was the time and point of your life, man, where you hit, hit rock bottom and how did you overcome? I'd say, you know, rock bottom was probably about, was six years ago. You know, um, I was married, um, but luckily, you know, we have me and my ex-wife, we have the best relationship ever. So that was a, that was a tough, that was a rough spot in, in my life. And, uh, you know, there was this uh, important examination that we have to take when we're uh, in practice. And uh, I failed it, you know, so that really questioned myself, you know, maybe put my self-esteem um, really down, you know, kind of just thinking the ball was going to drop, you know, that my career was going to end, you know, but... Uh, luckily, I kind of drew back on that experience in, in college where I'm like, you know, I'm just doubling down for the next exam. And uh, whether I whether I fail again or whether I don't, I'm going to go out swinging, you know. So, um, you know, that's when I really knew I had to make changes. You know, I knew I had to put in the work on myself, kind of dive deep into David. You know, what makes what makes me tick, you know, what what transpired in the past that brought me to that point, you know, and, uh, 
you know, I was able to find out what makes me tick, you know, uh, and uh, knowing that um, kind of self, knowing yourself, you know, we're complex human beings, you know, we're complex, you know, our minds are complex, our bodies are complex, but the more you know about it, the more you can address it, the more you can handle it. And uh, yeah, you know, that's, I thank God for that. You know, there's a gift of desperation, right? Um, sometimes you have to go to the rock bottom to, to really uh, live the best life possible. So. Indeed. indeed. And that's good yeah. that you all still remain friends to this day. Yeah. Those, those few yeah. adjustments you made though, you said you made some, some changes, man. And you, there was a click that you made or so as well. So what was those adjustments that you could share that you really made that, that has helped you along this way? Yeah. No, you know, I, I got into meditation. I got into a lot more reading, you know, and I think everybody needs a therapist. Everybody needs a life coach. You know, I have no problem with that. You know, so I started seeing, you know, seeing a therapist regularly, got a life coach, because as you said, you know, we, we can't take on the life by ourselves. You know, I think that was another thing that insight I just had is like, I tried to put everything on my shoulders. I'm like, I got this. I'm doing this on my own. But a lot of that's pride, ego. I just swallow my ego. Um because, hey, you know, we need a team, you know, we need support. And I think I got humbled and uh, I needed that. I needed that. So, um, and there's, there, there's a lot of strength in vulnerability. You know, I put on this, this facade of Teflon David, you know, that I'm bulletproof. But really behind that was like a weak individual. Um, but now that I'm able to open up my vulnerability, I've, you know, I, I've gotten stronger because that's just human, man. That's just human, you know, so. There is strength and vulnerability. Tell us, of course, yeah. about that, man, especially for masculine men that me listening out there and feel like it's always important to be, yeah. ah, macho. Tell us the importance of vulnerability and why you practice that every day in your everyday practice. Yeah, you know, you know, like, I mean, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of, I always don't like that saying society says this and society says that, but I think kind of use it in this, like society says that, you know, we shouldn't cry, you know, that we shouldn't discuss our weaknesses, you know, that we shouldn't show that we're stressed out, but that festers, you know, that kind of builds up and it, it all comes back to just authenticity, you know, like, Hey, you know, if you, get it off your chest. If you talk about it, if you're authentic, you know, that's when you can really open up a connection with uh, another human being, because if you're vulnerable and if you're doing that, you know, there's a level of trust that's involved there. You know, that kind of opens the window into you. If someone's vulnerable with me, that opens the window into them. And then that's where the human connection can really get optimized. And, you know, I think, there's something, there's something magical in human connection. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. I love that, man. Yeah. Um, so the space you're in now, man, you specialize in hip, hip and joint plate replacement. Yeah. Oh, man, that got it. That's a serious role, man. What, I mean, why did you decide to take on a serious role, man? You like <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot of challenges, you know, but like. What's the name of your practice, like Dr. Dave? 
I like challenges. Uh, so I'm in a private practice, San Diego Orthopedic Associates uh, Medical Group. It's a long-winded name. It's, uh, you know, six other surgeons along with myself. And uh, also um, we have uh, me and a few other surgeons. We opened up a surgery center, advanced surgery center in North County. Um, you know, but I'm kind of kind of rebrand, repurpose a little bit. You know, I call my individual practice fab hip and knee. And then, you know, you talked about that fab movement. That's kind of getting out of the realm of orthopedics, kind of more in the motivational space. But it all ties in, you know, because I like to motivate my patients, you know. And then, um, yeah, I mean, it's all just kind of, I guess, cross-pollination for lack of a better, uh, lack of a better explanation. So, um, yeah, I mean, I just know that um, – yeah, I mean, I think it's it's gratifying when you uh, when you do something challenging and, and you're able to able to do it, able to do it, and makes you kind of more battle tested to be able to handle other challenges in life. So, yeah, yeah. I was uh, looking at a rec- uh, I guess it was an interview you did, yeah, maybe a few years ago. And you you know you helped a lady do yeah. her trials that she was going through with her yeah. knee replacement. So feel free yes. to share that testimony. Yeah, I mean, she. So uh, I think you're, you're referring to. Uh, she's a nun, and she actually. Uh, she when she was young, she worked with Mother Teresa. Yeah, and what a story! Wow. And uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, she couldn't kneel. She couldn't do her job for the community, and um, just a lovely soul, lovely human being. And she came to me for help with her knee replacement, and. Um, Hey, you know, I had to deliver for her because I wanted to help her so she can continue to help other people. And luckily, you know, she was able to get back to her job within two weeks. And uh, yeah, you know, like I said, I'm not preaching. I'm not a Bible thumper. I'm not saying you got to believe in God. That's just what I do. You know, that's that was doing God's work in both ways. Yeah. So indeed, indeed. Yeah. I mean, two weeks, man, that's pretty fast, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, what, what procedures yeah. had to go, you know, if you mind sharing what procedures you no. guys had to do or yeah. how did y'all get her through? It seemed like it just was a fast process, but to you all, it's still long hours of the work. Yeah. So please share that to us. Man. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm always, for me, myself, I'm always looking to progress. Uh, I need to, I have an obligation, but not only obligation, I love it. I, I need to seek what's best for my patients, what's cutting edge that I feel that can work. And, um, you know, that ties in with robotic surgery because knee replacements, it's a game of millimeters, a game of degrees, and any millimeter degree that we're off, uh, that can lead uh, to a suboptimal result. So robotics really helps in that regard. It also, the type of implant that you use, because all knee replacement implants aren't equal. Um, some work better than others. I'm a big car guy, so I'll say, you know, I, I use the Porsche of knee replacements, even though I'm wearing a Mercedes hat. That's for Formula One. So, um, um, and it also, it's the power of the mind, too, you know. So I try to instill that in my patients. And if they go in with a positive attitude, that's a great formula for success, you know. And you kind of set them up because if you tell a patient, you know, you're going to be down for three months, they're going to be down for three months. If you tell a patient, you know, I want you to walk into my clinic two weeks, no cane or walk or walking normally. 
oftentimes that happens because it gives them something to shoot for. It gives them something to motivate for. And, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm the only one where the patients uh, get these results. There's a lot of other surgeons, you know, but, um, you know, we're always pushing to be better. And that's what I like. We're always pushing to be better. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of it was like we were, we were kind of a little too conservative with our patients in the beginning. But as we've gone through it, we realize, you know what, we can, uh, we can push them a little more. And hey, you know, who wouldn't want um, a quicker recovery, right? Yeah. Who's yeah. somebody in this space right now that you truly, truly is inspired by, man, their work, yeah. by who they are as a person? It's a two-part question. And also, when, is, when was it a time that um, you was working with a patient and you gave them some news that they didn't want to hear and it was yeah. a bit of a challenge for you and your team, but you guys still helped them through the process all the way. Sure. It did take some time to help them walk, to run again. Maybe it was a former athlete, you know, um, a doctor, a lawyer, yeah. who knows, right? So if you can share those two, that'd be awesome. So. Yeah. No, I mean, great questions. Great, great questions. You know, I'll tell you, you know, I'm so... Uh, so happy uh, that, you know, when I did my one year of training in hip and knee replacement, specialized in that, you know, I was able to acquire just fantastic mentors, you know, um, you know, they were the best and brightest in the field, um, top of the food chain, so to speak. Um, and I talk to them to this day, you know, there's Dr. Richard Berger, Dr. Craig Delavalle, Dr. Aaron Rosenberg, Dr. Wayne Kaprosky. Um, you know, those are people that, you know, I'll reach out to every now and then because mentors are so important. They have the experience that I don't have. And um, I respect all of them. You know, each and one of them has their own, uh, own gifts. Um, and also acquiring new mentors along the way, not just from people that I trained with. So, you know, people that I, I respect, all those people that I just named. You know, one is, uh, you know, very, uh, probably the best physically gifted surgeon that I've ever seen. And plus he's got the high beans for the future. He's a visionary. I call him, the, that's Richard Burger. He's, I call him the Steve Jobs of hip and knee replacements. And then there's Dr. Craig Delavalle, who, you know, works harder than anyone that I know. So, and he, you know, the results are there, you know, and he's, he's an truly academic you know, he's got like 300 publications already. And he's like, just, I appreciated that. He was just a grinder. And, um, and then there's Dr. Wayne Poprosky, who was, uh, he was an inventor. So, um, you know, there's different aspects about each and every one that, that I appreciate. Um, in terms of trying to help a patient get through a difficult situation, you know, I don't care. Um, any, any surgeon would tell you, you know, they're not, we don't bat a thousand, you know, we're not a hundred percent, you know, we all have our complications, just human nature, just the nature of the beast. And, um, you know, I say, if there's a surgeon that says you, that tells you they've never had a complication, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't respect that because that's not honest. If you do enough of this, something's going to happen. Uh, so yeah, I mean, when a patient, um, you know, uh, has a complication, that's always tough. You know, that's always tough. And, uh, you know, you can see their disappointment, their worry. Um, of course, there's uh, something comes back on me. It's like, what could I have done differently? You know, what did, what did I, you know, what could I have done better? 
Um, but, you know, at that point, it's like, you can't really, you can't delve in the past. It's done, right? Um, a lot of it is just beyond the technique. You got to really be there for the patient. You know, let them know that you're there for them. Let them know that there are solutions to these problems. It may take longer than you want. You know, uh, it's not what we wanted, not what we expected. Uh, but as long as you build them up, let them know that, you know, we got this. Um, that gets them through it. And some accept, some absorb that right away. Some take a while. Um, but, you know, as long as the compassion is there, you know, that, that makes for a good result. Because it's all about trust, you know, because, you know, if, if, if a patient doesn't trust me, you know, then that doesn't, uh, you know, that's not the best, best way for, for optimal results to happen. And, um, you know, I used to always blame myself for everything, uh, that I had control over everything. Um, but, you know, I heard a good quote along the way, you know, it's, uh, you're responsible for your effort. You're not responsible for your outcome. Mm. So as, as long as I know that I'm giving it my all, I can sleep with that. You know, all the rest is out of my hands. So. Wow. I love yeah. that quote, man. Yeah. I love yeah. that you take accountability for everything. Yeah. Although yeah. you know you can't control the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you yeah. work in a pretty team environment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. How do you keep your team motivated, man, for each and every surgery that you guys yeah. face? Well, uh, you know, when I started 10 years ago, I came with a mentality. I'm like, you know, I was a, I was a bulldog. You know, I was like, you know, I want them to respect me. I want them to be young. A lot of it was ego, you know. So I was kind of like, I was a tyrant in the OR. You know, I wasn't the nicest guy would always like kind of, you know, be like, it's my way, the highway. But then I realized, you know, like, and through reading that, like, I can't do this without a team. You know, there's, there's two types of leaders and there's a game changing book that I read called the multipliers. Um, there's multipliers and there's diminishers, you know, uh, diminishers are the ones where they rule with an iron fist and it's their way or the highway. And what happens is that, People walk on eggshells, staff team works on, walks on eggshells, and they can only work up to sometimes only 50% of their productivity. But if you're a multiplier, meaning everyone's collaborating, everyone respects each other's opinions, you know, we're all helping each other, we've got a nice culture, a nice, fun, relaxed environment, people can work 110% of their capacity. And we're, when we're dealing with human lives, we got to be at 100%. You know, I think I feel that's non-negotiable. So me as a leader, me as a captain of the ship, I have to be that multiplier because um, so, I mean, that's and that's because, you know, people, people are, you know, people can offer great insight and they may see things that I'm not seeing. And, you know, if they have an idea, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, two heads are better than one, 10 heads are better than one. Of course, you got to have the right team <laughs> because one head may not be the, the best head to trust, but um, yeah, it, it's, uh, we grow more as a collective than as an individual. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. Um, yeah. You know, cause so many people, like you say, 
they want to give instructions and not guide or not you know lead by example or not listen sometimes to the team member since they have so much experience or they just feel like oh this person just started or they've been there for less time than they have you never know you know they may just i mean it was a surgeon model. I mean, I saw that a lot in, in, in training. I'm like, okay, I have to be this way. No, I don't. You know, I get people tell me all the time, you don't act like a surgeon. I'm like, what does that mean? You know, like, <laughs> I got to be this, this a-hole. I got to be like this, this arrogance, have this, you know, but no, no, I'm just going to be me. So. Right. What are some principles you apply to your life to help you become the best leader you can possibly be, not only to your team, but also as, as a family man and, yeah. you know, um, and everything else that you're involved in. Gratitude, man. Gratitude. You know, that's what it all starts with, you know, like, you know, like that could be your last interaction with someone. And if you bring a bad attitude and that's a bad interaction, you never know what's going to happen. You know, and that's, that's something I don't want to regret. You know, I don't want to have regrets in life, you know? So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's, that's an attitude that I have, you know, like I want to make at least one person smile a day, you know, and that's to me, that's a successful day if I do that. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's what drives me. That's what keeps it going. That's what keeps me uh, pushing. So, like the day you can register somebody, anybody right now, um, you know, in the world, man, what would who would that be? Write a letter. You say, yeah. What what exactly would that? What would you say in that letter? Ooh, that's a great question. Wow. Wow, that's a good one. Um, let me think about that for a few minutes. Going back to that question that you asked before, you know, I believe in human potential. Mm. I like to test that. I like to go beyond the limits of that. Or let me rephrase, you know, I think, yeah, I think human potential is infinite. So I like to see what is possible, you know, challenge what's called quote unquote the impossible. I want to help others bring out that potential in themselves. So uh, that's what I like, you know, I mean, how far can I push? Um, David Goggins, a big inspirer. Mm -hmm. That's a guy that pushes. That's a guy Mm -hmm. that pushes. And there's this Navy SEAL SEAL rule that when you feel like you're about to quit, you got another 60% left in you. You know, when you feel like about your quit, you're at 40%. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's when I, you know, when I feel that I'm like, I, there's always a little more in there. There's always a little more in there. So, um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, I think that's good. Yeah. If I was going to write a letter to someone, I'd say Lewis Hamilton, you know, if those don't know him, he's a six time world champion, formula one racer. Uh, I'm a big car racer and he's beyond, he's beyond just a racer, you know, he's, he's, he's really conscious and really big into environment. Um, he's vegan. So into animals and, uh, you know, of course with, uh, you know, the social, um, discord that's going on, 
you know, he's using his platform to educate, you know, so he's using that platform rather than just, you know, Grant, don't get me wrong, being an athlete is great, but, you know, he's, he's beyond his sport. So that's, I'd write a letter to him, see like what drives him. And I kind of know, I've, I've studied his life okay. a lot, but uh, that's someone that I would like to connect with. So, mm. yeah. Thank you, man, for taking the time out to be on the show, man. Honestly, no doubt. Um, sharing some very detailed information, sharing your story um, and what led you into the medical space, man. Yeah. Big up to your mom as well, who you've seen her work hard and, you know, you've seen her, you know, um, provide for you all and yeah. take passion into her space and what led you years later to being who you are today. Yeah. So, you know, uh, honestly, man, I think I just... People just have to give people their roses and their flowers while they're here. So I, like I enjoyed this I like time, that. man. And yeah. um, I'm really glad that we got to connect, man. Thank you. I'm grateful for our friendship. And um, hope this serves your listeners and audience as well in a positive way. And, uh, you know, last question, man. When it's all said and done, what do you mostly want me to remember for? Uh, touching lives. Touching lives, yeah, you know, um, that's my purpose is to, to touch as many lives as possible. You know, that's, that's what gets me going. Um, and I can see that that, hit, that that hits your heart, too, because I can see you smiling there when I say that. And, and yeah. you're touching lives, too. You know, I can just, it's even though we're on a Zoom meeting, man, I can see that you, you got heart. You got a good heart. And, uh, you know, that's that seeing that in other people is, I love it. I eat it up. I love it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm going to remember more. You know, life is bigger than me. This is not about me. You know, it's about, about everyone together. You know, I think we see the best in humanity when people come together, you know, uh, and that's what I like seeing, you know. Yeah. Well, sad. Leave them off with your social media and we'll get out of here, man. Nah. So, uh, yeah, man. I mean, thanks again for everything. You know, I apologize about being late to this. You know, uh, I want to remain, uh, not I want to, we will remain friends. You know, anything I can I can help you with. And, of course, you know, I'm sure I'll come to you with uh, any any pointers or any tips if you're ever in California, you know, hit me up. Um, you know, if I'm ever in Tampa, I'll hit you up, you know? So, uh, yeah, bro. You know, this is, uh, there's no coincidences. This is uh, serendipity, you know, yeah. it's always nice kind of hooking up with, uh, you know, uh, like minds. Yeah. So true. So yeah. true. People, there you have it. Guys, that's the man, Mr. Dr. David based in San Diego for time plus, Doctor of the Year in San Diego and surrounding areas. Man, this gentleman is so humble about the work that he do, but he's also a servant first. Talks a lot about spirituality too, which we'll get into another interview later on. I love that as well. We're God for men. So those who listen right now, and I hope you really enjoyed this, please follow and support Dr. David's mission. Continue to keep rooting for him. And also, if you haven't already subscribed to the Inspire Before We Expire show, on iTunes, also leave us a review. 
to help us expand the reach on many, many more people that may be incarcerated, those who may not have families, may not have no support system. You all matter. You all matter. If you may not, you may be going through this COVID-19 thing right now, but let's make the most out of this pandemic and not panic, but pray and also see the purpose and also see the possibility out of it all. So guys, there you have it. Follow my man, Dr. David. Go ahead and, you know, if you're in San Diego and you need some hip knee replacements or anything of that nature, or even just want to say hello and say, man, I heard you want to inspire before we expire. I wanted to come in here and say hello to you. Do that too as well. I'm going to get my man last words before we leave. If you just a few words, that's cool. And we're going to close it out. Uh, again, I just want to uh, say thanks again. You know, I, I appreciate you for your time. Um, I appreciate who you are as an individual, as a human being. I appreciate uh, everyone that's listening. You know, thank you for your time. And, uh, you know, let's, let's continue to have a beautiful day. You know, so thank you for what you do, man. Thank you for what you do. So. Indeed, my man. Right. I'm Terrell right. Sumter. That's Dr. David Fabby. Logging off, signing out. This is an Inspire Before We Expire, and we're out. Woo! I